Is it okay if I post this later? Yeah, absolutely. Keep it on my Facebook. Okay, cool. All right, so this is episode two of Not About Planes, and I'm here with Violet. Violet, do you have a last name? No. No? All right, I'm here with Violet, and uh, so you've got a play coming up, right? Yeah. It's going to be so fucking cool. What's it about? It's about being a bipolar bitch. Um, it's called Bipolar Bitch. And um, it's an exploration of kind of like the mania and kind of like what that can do to your life and then just kind of the ramifications and like there's a lot of just really like evocative movement pieces and a lot of really brilliant you know like uh, stage designs set design from Rick Paul who's like I think he's the head mask maker at UIC but I might be wrong he's something he's a big ass fucking deal and he's super nice mask maker yeah like for their theater theater department for their like mask making like art department oh cool yeah, yeah, yeah. that is cool yeah no he's wild yeah and he made this awesome thing for um robert uh puig who's in the show he's got like all these faces that like spin like, oh yeah off of a hat like he wears the hat and then he's like the tr- he's like a trickster he's like a joker guy so he like He's got like these kabuki faces. Oh, that's really cool. It's so fucking cool. I'm so excited. So, does your play have a narrative? Is it a musical? You know, it's not a musical um, in the traditional sense of of what that would be. There's no like expository, you know, song lyrics like, I'm the villain, you know, kind of (laughs) songs. Like, dun 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 dun. It's more like, um, I've, I've written these kind of very pop accessible songs and they kind of fit into the, the, the very loose narrative. It's much more feminine from a literary kind of like, uh, criticism standpoint. It's much more feminine script where there's kind of vignettes and, and things like that. What are you saying? Hi, Pete. Hello, Pete. Pete's going to be taking over my open mic night tonight. Oh, cool. Uh, you run what, you run the one at gallery, right? Yeah. It's called magic freak out on Wednesday. There's five there actually. There's five. Yeah, I, five. I used to do their that's, comedy. That's not even the comedy ones. That's just music ones. There's even comedy ones. It's even more. Yeah, I like the gallery. So when when you want to plug your your open mic then while we're talking well, about it? Well, of course I would. Especially, you know, tonight there's going to be a really cool in one ear Billy Tuggle, Pete Wolf, Winninger takeover of my um, open mic. It's going to be probably 10 p.m. Sign up is like 9. And, uh... It's super fucking fun. It's going to be comedy. It's going to be poetry. It's going to be music. It's going to be other weird shit. I have really simple rules for the the open mic itself, which are rule number one is don't do anything I, I have to clean up. Rule number two is uh, don't apologize because it makes things awkward. Just say thank you instead. And rule number three is a uh, minimum of one minute. Maximum 15 minutes, creative expression, exploration, and experience on the gallery cabaret stage with crazy lights. Nice. Those, those, those are good open mic lights. rules. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, you know. The, and then the ear, in one ear uh, open mic rules, I believe, are don't use the stage as a weapon, which is another really good one. I like that. Mm-hmm. What's it's too bad that they got their, their uh, building shut down. Who did? Uh, the in one ear people. They where was Where were they at? They were at the Heartland Cafe up in Riders Park that shut down. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Are there any other good open mics that you would recommend around the area? Um. Well, I definitely played the hell out of the uh, Uncommon Ground open mics. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah. And they're rather lucrative as well because you are um, 
eligible for like money at the end of the night as well as you get your name put in a pool if you win like the applause meter like oh. thing. <clears throat> is there a cover then um yes i believe oh there is. yeah it's it's not a cover so much as like it's a pay what you can kind a of a suggested job, donation pay, kind yeah, of deal which is kind of what we're doing tonight um as well for the in one year people that's what they're because we never really charge cover a gallery but um in one year definitely does a three dollar thing so Our sets are a bit shorter, but we're flexible. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just talking about mine. No worries. Oh, hi, Jonathan. Hi. How's Jonathan doing? Jonathan seems great. He hasn't said anything, but Pete, who's uh, taking the thing over, uh, said that the sets are shorter, and that's true. Oh, then 15 minutes? Their sets are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually these are the rules, but they have their own sets of rules. Oh. So it's going to be, it's going to be modelist, and I'm going to um, feature as well, and then do a bunch of songs so. you're gonna feature tonight mm-hmm. oh cool okay is yeah, that it's, you... it's technically my feature anyway but they lost their uh place so oh i get you now yeah. are you uh are you going as your own thing or dr death crush i'll be as violet yeah just violet um dr death crush is only when the four of us really get together it's kind of like a justice league thing it's not just it's not it's it's just batman it's just batman you know i i'm in a band kind of like that and it's it's special i like that yeah well, I feel like we're kind of like a super group, you know? I mean, like, not to, like, put my, like, you know... It's a good name for a super group. Attention on blast. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, we have a thing. Our singer moved to Seattle. And now oh, every really? once in a while he'll visit. And yeah. so when he visits, we just kind of scrape together some shows yeah. and go play out a few times. Now, this is Wicked Deception? or this? No, one? this, this, is, is, this is another band called Slut Buggy. Slut Buggy? Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> we have two bass players and a pretty Slut ridiculous buggy. singer. Is that what? Yeah. Okay. This reminds me of like punch buggy. Punch buggy. Like, what would you do if a slut buggy um. robot? <laughs> That's what I want to know. It's fun though. We do the art. We do kind of like an artsy sort of deal. Like we have all we have videos behind us and mm-hmm. playing all oh, sorts fact, of weird. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a fan of big stage shows, especially Same. for smaller yeah, bands. A lot of times we get this guy Matt Mitchell to do um, projections for us for Doctor Death Crush. I mean. It's super fucking cool. Nice. Yeah, I love theater. Yeah, no, theater is Tasty great. Shit, you know? Tasty shit. I feel like it's the best one. What's all, the best one? Of all the mediums of art. Theater? theater? It's my favorite. Theater definitely has the most um, potential because you can kind of do a lot. It can encompass and do a lot with other mediums. Exactly. It's very, very all-encompassing. Like you can have poetry and... Yeah, I mean, it's got, uh, music. Compon- it's got a literary component, it's usually got a visual art component, you know, with the set, and the, or at least the stage picture, um, you know, directing so it's fucking art into itself, it's totally, oh, yeah. totally crazy, it's like, and nothing else, so. Yeah, how's directing going? I haven't um, directed in quite some time, I directed a lot in college, but I'm, I mean, I kind of like half-ass direct Dr. Death Crush shows, but it's just so extemporaneous and just fucking you know reactionary that i don't really really usually get a very like specific plan out i just kind of do what the fuck i want yeah it's good to have something like that though it's like kind of a free artistic reign it's so important just improv and do what you want rather than being rigid yeah 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 if it's rigid you know i'll get bored i'll get tired of it and that's that's one of the reasons i didn't do theater but a lot of the reason i didn't want to do theater is because i really just don't like doing what people tell me to do (laughs) That's why you direct. 
Jericho, fuck yeah, hi. That is why I direct. Or well, I, I mean, that's why I'm just a rock goddess, so I don't really have to. I can still have the, the visceral fun of, of a theatrical experience and fucking with the audience and stuff, but I don't have to, like, be someone else or, like... <laughs> You know, in that moment, I can just be the fucking thing I want to be. Do you like leaning, leaning kind of into the shock rock sort of thing, or? You know, um, shock rock is definitely something that I studied a lot um, in, in my, you know, in my pursuit of being a rock goddess. And I think it has its own sort of like uh, charm. I think it's more of a component. I think it's more of a um, a part of what art rock is to me. You know, art rock. And that's what my band, I, I would call the genre of my band is art rock because it's like, you know, it's shocking, sure, but I'm not like Marilyn Manson where I'm just going to say something stupid to make you uncomfortable. You're not going to be offensive for like, the sake of offensive. No, I want to have a fucking point. Like, that's one thing that the theater school taught me is like actually have something to say. And then you can be as shocking as you want. You know what I mean? Like, I can do what the fuck I want because I feel like that my my message, my like, the heart of my of my artistic expression is, is good. Good. And righteous. Okay. Who do we got? I can't see. Billy. Hello, Billy. Hi, Hello. Billy. What up, what up, Billy? We're just recording a podcast. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, so thanks again for coming out. This is pretty cool. My pledge. So, what else is on your agenda? What are, do you have any other projects well, that you're working on, or? Um, yeah, we're gonna release a, an EP to a company bipolar bitch called Bipolar Bitch. Cool. Um, the single for that's gonna come out when the play opens. Um, so that's the nineteenth. Yeah. Saturday. Um, the single is called Everything Sucks. It's actually a previously released uh, track, sort of, a different version of it. It's already on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Tidal, YouTube, Bandcamp, and Yandex. What's Yandex? You know, I don't know, but it's there. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, uh, it's called Everything Sucks. This version is called Everything Sucks. The other one was called Ing, like I-N-G, like the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, it's it's basically just kind of like a Buddhist, you know, like mantra for me. Everything sucks. Everything sucks if you wait long enough with the, the, the words for the verse. And then the um, chorus is find the beauty. It's calming. And then the third verse is everything's fine because where there's love, there's always time. That's a positive message. Yeah. It kind of like scoops it around. And, and it doesn't really do the, the positive scoop no. <laughs> in the Dr. Death Crush one. Because I'm like, fuck it. You know, I mean, a lot of the time with Dr. Death Crush, I'm really very comfortable expressing super negative, horrifying you know, murderous, drug-induced ramblings and shit like that. It's not a bad way to do it, though. I mean, it's, 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 a good, it's a good way to express those kinds of emotions yeah. without being without literal about it. it. Yeah, and that's my favorite thing about theater. And that's really the power of it. And Augusta Boal was one of the people in South and Central America. He kind of explored what social ramifications really are possible when you depict something that's part of someone's internal life, when you depict it in front of them. For the purpose of, you know, social change or or whatever. Like a, political change. Do you have an example? <clears throat> they would um they would go into like union disputes and they would they would devise a piece of theater that would kind of like archetypally represent or allegorically I guess more represent, you know, the people 
on either side, the rivaling contingents would kind of like duke it out in this theater, this safe place that it's not actually people getting punched or stabbed or whatever. And you come to a conclusion, you come to a solution, you know. And that, that's why theater is my favorite, is because it's the it's fucking magical. Good, and I I would agree. Yeah. Generally, all of my experience with theater has been really fun. Mm-hmm. Hi, Corey. Hi, Soulfire. Yandex, baby, for the Russians. We got um, some Russians? No, Yandex for the Russians. Somebody <laughs> said that at a show. And I just, <laughs> just kind of adopted it. It might be a Russian downloading site. I just, I have no idea. Hey, that's okay. I've actually famous should probably famous. go there and see what it's like. I've just, I just love saying it so much that I always tag it on there at the end. See, now it's almost too exciting. Can you go it's and like see the up. mysteriousness exactly. of Yandex? I don't know, man. It's probably just going to be a letdown for sure. Yo, do you know anything about Yandex, Corey? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of Yandex. It's like, there's like, CD Baby has some sort of like, package deal where you have 20 like 7 or something different purchasing and streaming platforms you can do you like CD Baby? I do. You do? Yeah. Because I've heard a few people going through them and I've heard mixed reviews but mm-hmm. I feel what, like... what kind of things do they say against it? I guess I'm just maybe not um, just worriness about like not holding not owning the property rights to your music mm. so like it can be CD Baby can use it however yeah, they please. I think that that used to scare me but then I kind of realized that nobody can do it better than me <laughs> so it doesn't really matter like okay. I mean if Adele wanted to cover my Everything Sucks song she could give it a shot but yeah but what if like Toyota wanted to make money with it or something that's fine even if you're not getting paid I mean I'd like to get paid but I mean if I'm getting paid in the exposure and that's all I get then that's what I get is what it is mm. I'm really not like you know I, I would rather people hear my shit than get paid for it I'm not trying to get rich I'm just trying to get you know, out there. That's a healthy attitude. I feel like too many people go into it with the intent, go into like music with the intention of Mm -hmm. becoming rich or being a star. There's definitely, there's definitely, um, people who go for the, I feel like you go for the money or you go for the pussy or you go for, you know, just kind of like something to do. (laughs) I like usually, usually it's the something to do's that make the better music. Yeah. Or art or whatever you want to I mean, and then there's like a few too. people I think that actually like, I, like if I didn't do this, I'd be dead. Oh, yeah. Like it's not just like something to do. It's like legitimately I would either do this or I would dead. Like dead. It's always a shame when those people don't make good art. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, God bless them. They're out there trying. No, and that's that actually is what's important. As long as somebody can enjoy it, even if it's the person making it. Yeah, somebody really, really intense um, in my college years. I can't remember who, but it was a really intense um, concept. It was like, you don't really have to be that good. To do the concept? Well, just to kind of like succeed in art, to kind of like be a good artist, you just have to show up. See, I, I kind of, I feel <laughs> like, go there. <laughs> I, I have friends that I know will disagree with me, but I feel like a lot of art is more added, is a lot of attitude based than mm-hmm. uh, talent based. Yeah. Because I've seen some incredible artists that don't have the attitude, mm. just kind of not publish their work or sure. do much with it. Sure. And I've seen other artists that are kind of, I'm not necessarily impressed by just right, really kicking thing. ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
And that being said, I'm not trying to discredit anything those guys do. I'm not yucking anybody's yum, but I mean, if it's not personally aesthetically pleasing to you, then mm-hmm. there's nothing to do with it. Give it away, give it away, give it away. No, somebody just said give it away and it will come back to you, Billy Willard. Oh, Billy Willard. Mm, Always getting into trouble. Very spiritual. Mm. Good coffee? Coffee? Yes, I do. Good. Good shit. So, what else motivates you? I know Violet the artist. Who's mm-hmm. Violet the person? Oh, the person. There's really nothing different. I can't. It's not like a separate thing. My whole life is pretty much art because I'm pretty much at at any given time. I really don't believe that this is real. Reality? Yeah. Like a like a bit like a spiritual, not real, like metaphysical thing, or just like ah, fuck it, who cares? Not real. Yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily metaphysical or nihilistic. It's a very real felt sense of just not buying my empirical data all the way. Like, it, um, I don't really feel very, like, a part of consensus reality, I'll put it that way. Like, the way that most people think and act seems really weird to me. How so? The, well, like, just the idea that you'd go around believing you're a human all day. You don't think you're a human? Hmm. I mean, not, like, essentially, no. What do you think you are? I think that everyone's, you know, the the different vibrations of divinity that that they're meant to enact for the purpose of enjoyment and fun. Okay. Mostly play. I mean, not necessarily enjoyment or fun, but play. So, like, spiritually, you don't necessarily feel human. I mean, like, literally right now. Oh, like, literally? Yeah. Like, right now. Like, biologically. Well, I mean, like, biologically, I'm I'm moving around this thing that seems Mm -hmm. to be a, you know, continuous inflatable electric ham sack electric ham sack care of you know it's like kind of like having a pet but it's like having a chia pet like uh, 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 sometimes i pay attention to it but mostly it just kind of does what i want fair enough yeah you're kind of just if you think about it you're kind of just in the driver's seat of something sometimes if you're lucky like conscious <laughs> well sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you're in the back seat sometimes you're in the trunk you would agree about um, dissociating, not having a felt sense of reality, Jericho? <coughs> I think Jericho said that they would agree about that. That he would agree about that, Jericho. Lacking a sense of reality? Yes, I'm so sorry. See, reality is weird. Like, I'm going to become that guy, but, like, ever since I tried, like, psychedelics, mm. it's my whole, like, outlook on reality is kind of shifted and changed. Yeah. And I was a big, like, metaphysics and... Not metaphysics, metaphysics, but, like, string theory and physics oh, story. Oh, shit, yeah. And Definitely. Did you read the Brian Greene? I haven't read it, but I've watched his Nova yeah, too many times to count. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing, much more accessible. Yes, it's been a constant struggle. Yeah, I mean, but, like, at some point, who gives a fuck? You know, right? I mean, Whether if it's or not real, it's exist. real. It's not, it's not. I mean, it's just going to be what it is. I mean, it. it's as real yeah, as it is. I'm trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's true. It's it's going to be as real as it is. And if you want to, and like, if you want to numb yourself, there are ways to numb yourself. If you want to feel sure. things more, there are way to, ways to feel things more. Yeah. And your consciousness is different, at least a little bit, from everybody else's. Yeah, I kind of feel like everybody occupies their own sort of, like, specific uh, universe. 
their own universe. Yeah. Do you think anybody ever actually interacts, or are we just part of each I don't other's? Think there's any way to know consciousness? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Sometimes I feel like we do, but sometimes it feels like we don't. Yeah. See, I mean, like, how much can your feelings really dictate, like, your, you know, permanent understanding or knowledge of anything? Well, I feel like your feelings would just kind of be, like, a representation of your current moment. And then you've got the overarching kind of you, if that makes sense. Sure. Because, like, you're, you're a different person... Even six minutes from now, let alone six years from now, six oh, years sure. before. Yeah. And your emotions are kind of just your personal expression of who you are. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. But it's also sensory data. For, that's true. For you about who you are and what's going on around you. Well, uh, that's true as well. Like when it's all boiled down to it, everything that we experience is just like evolution, evolutionarily built just so we can survive. Yeah. <laughs> is the matrix a documentary yes it's possible yeah, I don't know. there are people that buy into that kind of stuff yeah i mean like that seems a little bit like anybody that wants to know and feel like they know that much about what consciousness really is you know more power to you i don't know shit about that i really don't know anything no i mean, I mean like i I've experienced a lot and I think a lot about it, but like in terms of like holding like a steadfast knowledge or even a belief really of anything, it's really mm-hmm. tough for me to do. Would you consider yourself an atheist? Mm-mm. No? Oh, hell no. What, what do you believe? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, well, it's not like um, really uh, a soundbite kind of a, of a religious view that I've got. I can't like say I'm a Presbyterian or something. Because it's like, I definitely believe in divinity, and I'm not necessarily like singularly theistic, because I don't think that that is how any of the texts that have been like given to humanity were meant to be interpreted. Um, I think it's kind of like a weird like patriarchal projection a lot of the time with Islam, Judaism, Christianity, and to some extent, I mean, Hinduism and... and uh, and Buddhism, even. I mean, like... But yeah, I would say I'm, if I had to, like, pick one of those big guys, I would be mm. closest to a Buddhist, but I don't necessarily, like... You know... I don't have, like, a permanent identity that, like, would align itself with any of those, specifically. I like them as kind of, like... I like any other book where it's very, very crucial information about the world and some of it's relevant and some of it's, um, you know, got really wide, far-reaching ramifications, like, you know, the Quran or the Bible or something. Um, but at some level, it is a book, you know? And it's it's just a description of of, of divinity, and it's not like a, a manual. Yeah. Yeah. So people, basically, like, I'm, I'm down for, like, religious experiences, but I'm, I'm just kind of so, so tired of being bogged down with dogma that I don't really, like, say that I'm anything. I wouldn't say I'm a Buddhist. I wouldn't say I'm a Hinduist. You know what I mean? But do I have a little shrine of Ganesha? Definitely. Do I practice, you know, the meditation uh, techniques that I learned from Jagyong Trungpa Rinpoche, the the Tibetan, you know, uh, guy, the Kegi lineage guy, who is Pema Chodron's um, teacher? Yeah. 
Definitely. But I'm not like a Buddhist. <laughs> so. I feel like it's becoming more of a generational thing. Yeah, like, I mean, you're pansexual, you're pan-religious. I mean, fuck it. Because, I mean, like, our parents... I'm not sure about your parents, but, like, broadly, our parents... Like, they, they were brought up in their religion. And I'm not sure about how your personal experience was, but I was brought up in a specific religion. Mm. Yeah, well, And then what? Lutheran. Oh, heck yeah. Diet Catholic. Diet Catholic. And, uh, <laughs> and then, like, I kind of lost my faith and then just ventured out. And I feel like a lot of, like, millennials and whatnot are doing that. They mm-hmm. they lose their faith, but not really. Like, they lose yeah, their faith, but they're not. they lose the specificity of their faith that I think is toxic. <laughs> it can know? be. I mean, like, spiritual obedience like that is extremely toxic. I think it's, like I was saying, a, par- a patriarchal projection of just... I mean, asinine, nuts, nonsense. I mean, like, every part of a puritanical, you know, like, rigid puritanical worldview. Not like a Lutheran worldview. <laughs> but like, you know, like a, like, like a Westboro Baptist level, like, nonsense. I mean, Well, Westboro just... Baptist, they, they have their biggest problem. Well, they have, they have, they have <laughs> more than a few problems. They got a couple. But uh, one of my biggest issues with people like the Westboro Baptists is they force their dogma on others. And if you want to hold a personal belief, you can hold whatever belief you want, but it's your right up until it hurts or bothers somebody mm-hmm. else. Right. <laughs> and it's that kind of like weird, like tribal mentality. I feel like that you want to just like convert people to be like you or their other and you hate them. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that's like super archaic patriarchal well, projection again. I know evangelism gets sort of weird because there you'll meet the few that like are very well-meaning and just I, like they've yeah. benefited themselves from this message well, and want to spread none it. None of these people are actually bad people, probably. I mean, inherently on, on the soul level, I never would ever, ever believe that. I don't think most people, I, I, I think it's hard to categorize anybody as good or bad because everybody's sort of got a little bit. There are people that are more bad than good, but... I think that everybody's kind of like a Reese's where the peanut butter's good and the chocolate's bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that there's like... Some people have like super, super thick layers of chocolate, but there's peanut butter in there. Everyone's got a little bit of peanut butter? I could agree. I think I think most people have good in them, or most people, if they're trying to change the world, think that they're doing the best thing possible. Well, and then they are doing the best that they can. Even even if they're like socially wrong or literally wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like literally wrong. <laughs> well, by which I just mean like there are a lot of like very motivated very morally motivated people for the wrong reasons. Mm, mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's fully possible to just kind of convince yourself of whatever, get all fired up about it. Well, like, oh yeah, especially now like in the digital age, I feel like like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube comments have just become a breeding ground for vitriol. Like yeah. you, you see almost it, it, you don't actually see a face. You just yeah. see a name that yeah. may as well like not even exist because you yeah. don't know that person you did like, and it sort of opens people up to be a lot more cruel or harsher than they Definitely. normally would. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. You just get, like, really, really out-of-control comments when people don't have, like, any sort of repercussions. It's, like, <laughs> super, super cloaked in anonymity. They don't give a fuck. I, don't, I wouldn't give a fuck. I haven't given a fuck. You know, like, I mean, it goes back to, like, I feel like the internet's just a really, really 
intense, I think, allegory for what internal human consciousness really kind of is and what a, what a communal consciousness would be like. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's and totally the, so like... there's got to be an asshole, you know what I mean? There's got to be the part of it that's the asshole, and that's why, you know, I don't go to 4chan anymore. Oh, 4chan is... <laughs> 4chan. 4chan is interesting because it's such a free space for yeah. shitty people. And... <laughs> I mean, I mean, they might be shitty, shitty, but they're still interesting to watch. I'm happy with that, man. It sounds fine with me. But I would, I would totally agree that the internet is like a modern, like a physical representation of the collective unconscious. Like, oh, that's kind of fun too that you'd even say that because Young is a really, really deep and profound part of the bipolar bitch experience. Oh yeah, yeah, we've got like Young is cool. Young is fucking tasty. He's got a fucking lot of really cool things to say, and we've got a big old right red book in the back. Red Book? Yeah, have you heard about the Red Book? Uh-uh. It's kind of his last work. It was kind of like a, uh, like a cumulative throughout the last, like, maybe 30, I'm guessing, years of his life. He'd go into his library and just kind of, like, having experienced masculine peyote and acid, I think. Or maybe not acid, it was too early, but um, hallucinogens of, of different kinds, I believe, psilocybin. Uh, he would just trip his tits off, just close his eyes and just, like, think about stuff and just write it down. And his family was, like, not about it being released because there's some, like, you know, 4chan parts of it. Oh, yeah? Like what? (laughs) Like, he fucks his sister. (laughs) Like, literally? Or is he exploring? Yeah, not, like, literally, but, like, in in these, you know, these these musings in his mind that are so vivid and and relevant, I guess, to him. He, um, he, yeah, he fucked his sister. (laughs) Well, I mean... Someone's got to explore. Someone's got that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I had not heard of that. Yeah, it's tasty. They just they released it when I was in college, so probably like ten years ago or something. Neat. Okay. Yeah, but he's like so much cooler than Freud. I just don't understand why our like. I, don't know. I guess sex sells. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean, young sexy. <laughs> sexy shit. It's not sexy enough. Not sexy enough. Well, he's not fucked up enough because he's <laughs> fucked up cells too. You got black mirror and all that noise. So, what's your? Uh, do you have any like dystopian future things going on? Speaking of black mirror, do you think we're? Do you think we're walking into some like scary shit? I mean, I think humans are resilient. We'll, we'll adapt to whatever, even if it turns into Blade Runner or whatever, or Walking Dead or whatever. I will tell you what: if it does turn into a zombie apocalypse. Hands down, I am not sticking around. <laughs> like, fuck that. No. Where would you go? I would go, I would distract a bunch of zombies, like as the classic ploy. I would go, oh, over here, I'll wear a little meat jacket, or maybe even a meat dress. You Ooh, know, like a, okay. Like a homage. And then I would run over there, and they would all chase me, and then right as they were about to eat me, somebody would shoot me in the head, and everybody would go to safety. <laughs> so, so, like a yeah, I don't, suicide by yes, survivor. Because, like, what the fuck am I going to do? Make a play about it? Like, I don't... You could. I mean, I could. The post-apocalyptic yeah, theater. I could make a play about it. Could but. be the next Shakespeare. Zombie Shakespeare. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I'd probably just die. But what was really cute, I told that to an Uber driver one time, because he was really, like, hardcore asking me about it, but he's like, he had a plan. A zombie plan? Butter the doorknobs. Ooh, that is and a good plan. Like, mm-hmm. I can't get in. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pause for 10 seconds. I'm going to run to the bathroom real quick. Okay, cool. We'll just pause on the Instagram live. Thanks, guys. We're going to take a cigarette break, and we'll be back in a little bit with more podcasts with Ian. Every time 
two people. <laughs> All right. Let's see that we're back. For fur. For fur. Yeah, would you wear fur? Yeah, fuck yeah, I wear fur. Oh, yeah? I mean, I don't like... Um, you, don't, you don't think it's cruel? Of course it's cruel. <laughs> but you're not bothered by well, it I being cruel? Well, I wouldn't wear new fur, and I wouldn't buy fur, but people give me fur, and I'll wear it. Okay. You know? I don't love it, I because I'm a, a pretty much vegan, you know what I mean? I don't, like, try to kill things, but... Are we back on? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, heck. Cool. Yeah, but no, I don't, I don't really... Um, give a fuck. Mm. Interesting. Nobody's poured pain on me yet, but I'm kind of waiting for it. Kind of Nobody's what? Poured pain on me yet? Oh. Like, you know, feed people. Hey, and we're back for part two at Pearson's Bungalow. What would you call this place? Probably not Pearson's Bungalow. I like Pearson's, Pearson's bungalow. bungalow. It sounds pretty cool. What's the name of the show again? I'm so sorry. Not About Planes. Not About Planes with an A-N-E-S. A-N-E-S. Right. Is it about planes A-I? It can be. N-S. It can be just as long as it's not planes. There's a moratorium so on aviation. Just, oh, hi, Keith. So we just got to not um, talk about planes <laughs> whatever but, we do. But we're punk rock, so we if, if we talk about planes, it's okay. Okay, cool. Shit, because I get nervous. When I, t- when I get nervous, I talk about planes. And I'm <laughs> Panicking there for a minute. I have a friend that works at Boeing, and I won't let him even listen to it. <laughs> yeah. T-S-A. So what else makes you tick? Um, well, trauma and uh, a great deal of angst and rage. Ooh, do you want to talk about trauma, angst, or rage? Uh, sure. <laughs> let's, talk, let's, let's just go down the list. Um, trauma is real and it's something the reason why I'm a psychic dominatrix is to kind of like heal trauma in the world what is a psychic dominatrix I mean you know our listeners might not know <laughs> our listener <laughs> might not that's true that's true it's like a, um, dominatrix is basically someone who dominates another person mm-hmm. usually you know as a as a job I'm a I'm a amateur pro dom I'd say um but uh yeah it's it's um it's kind of like the aspect that's psychic is that i can kind of like empath people's emotions and i do i do have a lot of um extra you know sensory abilities to kind of hear what people are thinking in my mind and and kind of use that in a scene do you believe in that do I believe in anything? No. Like, well, oh. I don't. I just literally bear witness to, <laughs> You're my, a nihilist. to my ability. No, I don't believe in it. everything's pointless. I just don't believe in it. Well, that's what nihilism isn't necessarily that it's pointless. There just is nothing to believe in. You're talking about like classical like Nietzschean nihilism? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that the, like the initial like flavor of it though isn't isn't that it it, it, i feel like classical nihilism is a lot more pessimistic than i'm 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 capable of i can i I can dig it yeah like it's in in a certain way it is what you're saying like it's not it's about i think i mean as far as i've ever gleaned it's about not really believing that believing that believing doesn't have a purpose in in a kind of a way you believe 
You that's do believe it, that believing doesn't have a purpose. I no 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 no. Uh, oh that, no no that's, that's, that's classical that's the nihilism. Distinction. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay. That's what they would say that it doesn't have a purpose because it doesn't do anything because it's like beliefs are kind of you know ephemeral and and good and bad is so subjective that you know belief on either side of that just emboldens whatever you want and, and that kind of like sort of meta like realistic sort of stuff where you really kind of utilize your internal life and your emotions to um exact change in your life but like i think that belief has a definite point it has a definite purpose and it, it is you know powerful um i just don't usually lend my power to it okay personally so you try not to put too much stock in your personal beliefs yeah because they're i mean they're very mutable and i think that holding them too tightly is really what turns you into a westboro baptist nightmare i can agree with that like i i think uh that's a big problem like politically is people people have picked their party like it's their religion well, and that's one of the things, or like a sports team would yeah. be a better analogy and their team has <laughs> yeah. to win yeah. no matter or what wrestler or yeah actually <laughs> fun fact donald trump is the only president of the united states to also be inducted in the wwe hall of fame is that a is that fun, is that a fun <laughs> fact for you it, it, it's an interesting factoid interesting factoid yeah <laughs> I think it's fun. It's probably the most yeah. fun thing he's ever done. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I think he's probably done a lot of fun things, but that does but that doesn't make him qualify. He's, he's had lovely, lovely nights with Russian hookers. So I've heard. Bumping that Yandex. <laughs> oh, they love Yandex. They love Yandex over there. But yeah, no, I think. Uh, um, oh God, that man. I think he represents something really important, but. Yeah, like a symptom of an illness kind of a thing. Well, okay. Uh, I mean, in the sense that there are a good number of Americans that desire, quote-unquote, change or whatnot and want to shake up the status quo. Mm -hmm. That's fine and important and, like, every political system should get shaken up a bit. Yeah. But he's kind of the... Wrong way to shake it. I think so. Or at least... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's kind of like, you know, I don't know. There's a, I was watching Jim Gaffigan and he does a great joke. As a single white male, I think everything will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. And I think, uh, I think that there's a lot of bullshit like, uh, in the government like that. But uh, yeah, I think it's perfectly rational for everybody to feel like we should shake that up and definitely not keep you know the same people in there the problem is people who have elected trump you know their idea of shaking it up is different white men oh basically (laughs) you know it's like oh well yeah but what about like a muslim trans woman (laughs) well apparently they want to bar them from the military and the country you see Mm -hmm. the thing that doesn't Uh, get me is a lot of trump supporters are big libertarians who yeah philosophically even if they're not okay with it they really shouldn't care what another person is doing right but but they do because it ekes them out so hard yeah it's a strange thing i think part of it in in defense of the moderate trump people is that like they're i blame it partly on the internet but with the internet there's been huge 
like social change like just on yeah. the forefront because oh all gosh. these people are yeah. being given a platform and a voice mm-hmm. and the moderate trump voter i'm, I'm gonna call them just doesn't know how what to do or what to make of it because they're living in a super small town never been exposed to that yeah. sort of thing yeah but it's just like making them go nuts mm-hmm. well because like you know i'm i'm 100 percent certain that there is a very large slice of the christian pie that would just literally see me and go uh-uh you know do you think that's because they're christian or i don't think it's because they're christian i think that that's part of what they are though usually. part of what makes them christian yeah i mean part of what makes them shitty christians <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> oh yeah those people definitely <laughs> exist and hi danny I don't know what what would you say is the best way to turn maybe yeah like turn them more towards a more socially accepting point of view. What's your point of attack? Well, attack really isn't quite my, <laughs> my vibe. Um, I basically just exist, and when I experience disruptions, <laughs> I guess in my energy field, that's like uh, people not understanding me or judging me and. and and not really, and holding beliefs about me that aren't necessarily factual or are helpful or constructive. I um, I usually kind of just lay the facts out as I see them for my personal life, you know. Uh, and that's really, I mean, all I can do personally. Like, I'm not trying to, you know, I I don't pretend to like have a bunch of social causes outside of basically my identity. Um, like, I like the environment, but am I going to go volunteer for Greenpeace? No. Am I, you know, I like animals, okay, but am I going to go volunteer at the animal shelter or PETA or something? No. Because, like, mostly what I'm trying to do is bust open everyone's paradigm as it relates to gender, personality expression, and uh, interpersonal social dynamics that are, like, super, super ignored um, by... I think that the vast majority of Western culture. Do you think those things are ignored maliciously? Sometimes. Sometimes? Definitely. Generally, do you think they're ignored maliciously? Uh, I don't know if that's a question I can answer. No. I don't don't know. know. (laughs) Um, Like, I think that that the aspects that are um, enacted maliciously are usually a a matter of, like, uh, patriarchal oppression that just kind of, like, uh, you know, the, the, the toxic male attribute of not being able to show your feelings is extremely oppressive, I think. And it's 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 a really undervalued thing. I mean, like I'm not like a men's again. I'm not like a men's right activist. So I'm not gonna <laughs> bring a sign out with that shit. But you know, I mean, it's definitely true. Having been raised male in this in this uh, country, the amount of repression you have to go through to literally function is is inhumane. It's barbaric. For what for what it's worth, I think that culturally we're sort of shifting to where men can be more expressive. I think out here, yeah, in the city. You, eh, I don't know. I, you don't think it's venturing I mean, I out? Michigan. I mean, I grew up in rural Illinois, and how many how many men did you see cry? How many men did I see cry? Pfft, not many. <laughs> less than five. You know, one. Less than five. Yeah, your whole life. More than two. Less than five. More than um, two. Less than five. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you know. I mean, but that being said, I think that um, I do think, especially in areas like that people are being more open like um an important man in my life who was very uh 
very he wasn't very machismo but he just was you go to work you do your thing you come home and right. have a beer and go to bed right. and uh but lately when i see him he's more he's more emotional about mm-hmm. things and more like I think that open. that's definitely luckily something that happens with age too that people, too people like kind of you know i mean I, I feel like everybody's life to some extent is just kind of like sloughing out the internalized oppression of of what your upbringing was you know oh yeah i think that's kind of probably part of everybody that's part of like uh the fun of living life i think yes finding out what your distilled energy is and and boosting that signal rather than everybody else's bullshit because if you come into adulthood with no fucked up tendencies or no weird shit going on that Mm -hmm. your parents messed up either on parents friends and everything Mm -hmm. coming up whether they messed it up on purpose or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a fun game to overcome that stuff and learn about Some, yourself. Sometimes it's fun, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> well, sometimes brutal, it's true. Brutal, traumatic work. Well, <laughs> fun being relative. But right. I mean, when you come yeah, out no, of... I think fun in, in the way that... Yeah. When you come out of something like that, even if it was traumatic, like, there's a lot of value that you can find mm-hmm. through it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it definitely, you know informs your whole business i mean you are your neuroses as much as you are your talents and oh most definitely <laughs> yeah hello everyone we got a couple people now Ooh. hi oh my god trevor <laughs> what's up trevor's here trevor i went to high school with oh cool yeah. hi trevor from high school yeah so fuck yeah all right so we covered trauma how about rage? Um, was angst next, or would you want to go skip right to rage? Oh yeah, it was angst and then rage. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's go to um, angst because angst leads to rage. I think yeah, that's what the Jedi I think, said. Uh, anger leads to <laughs> hate leads to suffering. Yeah, something something like that. Um, anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering leads to the dark side. I think. I think the dark the suffering is the last one from Yoda. Oh. Uh. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads. Wait. Well, we'll get there. Somebody Google it. <laughs> yeah. All right. But yeah, no, what was I talking about? Oh, angst. angst. So like, um, I don't know. I, I think that angst has its place. And in, in it's it's uh, undervalued a lot. But everybody has it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know. I think some of the best uh, best music comes from a lot of angst, but... Yeah, I mean, I like Trent Reznor. Oh, I love Trent Reznor. <laughs> And even like early Marilyn Manson. Oh my god, but Marilyn Nirvana. Manson is my shit. Oh, I like, love Marilyn I did, Manson. I did shit talk earlier, <laughs> but like he is my shit. I love him. His first four albums, I think, are fantastic, Stellar. flawless. And I really don't listen to anything after. He's got Just, about a song and album. I feel like that he, I like. he hit <laughs> after that. He hit his high watermark after Hollywood, and not necessarily yeah. that everything is bad. It's just not Just gonna be not as good. good. Well, and I'll tell you my personal take on why that is. Oh yeah, what's that? He's. A narcissist and he's just kind of like very much i mean you kind of have to be somewhat of a narcissist to even do any of this you know stuff i mean you have to believe that you're amazing on some level to want to share it with everybody but like he's he's such a narcissist now but he doesn't have any lyrical content that's not really super personal and he's kind of run out of shit to say you know I mean, like, he used to, like, the first four albums, I think that largely why I like them lyrically is because they have social political ramifications that are outside oh, yeah. of his personal experience of things, you know what I mean? Like... The story is super cool, too. And I mean, the story, you know what I mean? And it's 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 super well thought out and just fucking 
hardcore as hell. And Ogre from Skinny Puppy was a was a major like uh, producing. Oh really? Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. Antichrist Superstar with them and Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I love Antichrist Superstar. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Hmm. Oh, Eric Flint said something big. He said, "Fear is the path to the dark side." There you go. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Nailed it. You know that's a Buddhist saying, Ooh. right? Tasty. It's a very Zen sort yeah. of thing, and that's what Yoda is supposed to represent as like a Little Buddhist boot. monk. Yeah, that's cute. I like that a lot. So, some more angst. Where does your angst come from? Other people. Other people? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, and myself, just people in general, just having, just, just, just having an experience on the earth, I think, it's part and parcel. I mean, like, there's just so much, I think angst really kind of arises when you're, when your will is broken. You think? Yeah, like, I feel like, or, or at least, like, when you're, like, when your, your ego is, it's, it's, a, it's an ego pain. Like, you want it, something to be something, and it's just not. And so you're just like... <sighs> Would you consider it a negative emotion? I don't necessarily like to categorize emotions like that. In a very no. Nietzschean sort of no good <laughs> or bad kind of way. Like, earlier you said that no good mm-hmm. or bad um, in terms of people's uh, inherent value or qualities of their, like, personality. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you said, that the people Essentially, are both good and bad. Pe- yeah, you, you can't just describe a person as good or bad. Right, and I feel like that's the same thing about feelings. Same thing about... All right, I'll, I'll rephrase it. Do you think it's a productive emotion? I think all emotions are productive. All emotions are productive? Given the proper attention, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're obviously, like, there for a reason to give you some sort of lesson or something. It's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, some 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 lessons, you know, some, some emotions are really difficult because they destroy your ego and, and you really wanted a sense of, like, identity like that, but it just doesn't exist anymore. Now, do you think that's because you never were that person to begin with, or you've no, I kind think, of had a paradigm I think, shift? I think that I watched a TED talk recently about how um, personality and identity is so much more mutable than we want it to be, than than it is functional for like a very you know cerebral minded society where we want to have categories for everything we want to have everything in a tight little box so we can be like that's that moving on we got in you know it's it's a, it's very efficient it's very productive but the thing is it just doesn't really apply to the to the vast miasma that is the chaos of consciousness a lot of the time you know you know things like not even a little bit you think there's oh, of course i think there's the I, I, all, all i'm saying is it's just kind of like taken to a really brutal degree like in, just trying to America or just in the West or whatever, I guess in in the world, it is a what more Western kind of thing to box and compartmentalize things so you can analyze them and explain them. Yeah, podcasts about depression. All emotions are productive, says Eric Johnson. I gotta agree with you. All emotions are productive. Yeah, well, that's kind of the other thing too about um, Doctor Death Crush. The site, the like philosophical underpinning for that is that I'm a. Um, demon eater you're a demon eater yeah so So like negative emotions usually um they're personified as demons Mm -hmm. a lot of times in our in our own consciousness even if it's subconsciously even if it's like um just in terms of like an energetic reaction no thought you know what i mean like if you're having angst or whatever like fuck i wish that would have gone that way like 
in that moment your ego is being destroyed kind of a little bit like the, the part of you that was like this is gonna happen mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's gone and you're just kind of left with oh fuck and then there you are with the demon and you can either be like oh that's a bad thing to think oh my god that's a that's I can't I shouldn't I shouldn't be disappointed I should just be grateful for what I want for what I got and like I'm bad for thinking that I'm you know what I mean and that kind of like spiraling is what what it, what charges a demon what what empowers a demon to kind of like you know scare and torture you for as long as it's there to teach you what it's there to teach you and in that moment I think that a demon would be there to kind of like you know, what, what would unravel its, its hold on you would be kind of, like, identifying, you know, that the gap between what you expected and what reality is is kind of like the, the you know, the chasm of stress. Like, the what causes stress is the difference between those two things. And, and that, you know, in a very Buddhist way, you know, trying to just be there with yourself and have that present moment for yourself as that emotion, you know, as that angst and live it fully and then just be like, and there you go. You know, I think is one way to do demonic healing. But at the shows, I just mostly have people scream them into my heart and I just take them away from them for a little while and I kind of like entertain them with divine respect. Well, I imagine fronting like that would be, would be a huge emotional release. In some ways, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels a lot less like a release, like it's like, um, I mean, to some extent, it kind of like, especially if I haven't played a show in a while, there's like a, some, some build up, but it more just feels like I'm a channel, you know, like the energy's out there already and it just kind of like comes through me instead of like being like a dam and then like, oh, oh. it's more just kind of like, so, so how, uh, do you, do you, what are your, speaking of podcasting about depression, what are your tools then for overcoming demons? Just finding that mindful moment or... Mm, definitely the mindful moments help and they really aren't like singular they're just like it's a constant series of mindful moments is one of the best ways I feel like to kind of like be there with yourself through the through the shittiest of the shit um that's really the only thing that's helped me out is just kind of like you know accept that today I'm going back to bed (laughs) for the whole day you know what I mean and that's just what's gonna fucking happen and it's not bad it's just reality it's just what's what's happening today you know what I mean and and I used to get a lot of like demonic charge out of being like oh you lazy piece of shit you know like get the fuck out of bed and go do something with your day but sometimes I'm just too fucking sad so I don't do you think there's a point where that negative kind of reinforcement can be a positive thing like if you've been in your bed for a few days and then you're like all right get up it's time to go you piece of shit i feel like whatever actually ends up motivating me is never negative so i feel like yeah i feel like what what kind of happens when those meta feelings those that the judgment kind of like comes down on on the initial like feeling of depression or angst or whatever or anxiety kind of like when that judgmental aspect enters the picture that's really what creates a hell yeah I would agree, I, I would agree like philosophically mm-hmm. um, and this is something I learned in church and it's even a Jesus thing mm-hmm. Jesus had said that heaven is a place on earth now I don't think that when you die you go into heaven or hell or so forth but mm-hmm. basically if you're with God you're in heaven if you're away from God you're in hell mm-hmm. God being just that divine presence yeah and that positive yeah. feeling and yeah, contentment with who yeah, and so if if you're in like a depressed state, you're in your own personal hell. 
versus sure. when you're in a well, because positive. You're, for some reason or another, like you felt that there's a, there's a productive quality to depriving yourself of the love. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of depression is, is really just kind of like your body and your mind and your soul just screaming out like a baby in the darkness for self-care and love. I would, and, and I think that like, uh, I think you touched on it a little bit, but you, you almost, I think when you're in that like deep kind of depression, you sort of almost get off on it for lack of a better term, or at least for me. Yeah. Like, I think that you're, yeah, I think that there's a neurological predisposition to kind of like, it becomes a negative reinforcement for more and like power it up. Like reasons why you're a piece of shit or whatever. Oh, and it's like, oh, I can sit around all day. Mm-hmm. I can yeah, make whatever I want about what people think about me and stuff. Fuck them. I'm gonna watch TV. Fuck I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I say fuck everybody a lot, but I love everybody. You should love everybody. You should love everybody, but do you? <laughs> See, the hard thing is finding the people that you don't want to love and loving them too. Mm-hmm. Anybody can love somebody that's nice. Well, and that's where it really comes down to just loving the peanut butter, like I was saying earlier with the Reese's Pieces kind of stuff. You gotta find the peanut butter. Yeah, like, there's the candy coating that can be super, super evil, like Donald Trump's stupid fucking goddamn horrible face. But then inside, he's got peanut butter. And I was gonna say, is there a part of him you think you could love? Of course. I've actually... There's a part of me that really wants to hate fucking... To be honest, but like uh, I've heard, he's a fun dude to be around. Like I don't, I don't necessarily think that qualifies him for anything. Who but said that though, you know, people that are around him, they say that he's just kind of a very. It might be a narcissistic or uh, selfishly motivated action, but I've heard people say that like his presence is surprisingly like motivating. Yeah, I'm sure he's very charismatic. A lot of energy <laughs> behind him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily <laughs> defending him. I'm no, more I mean, commenting on how shit, interesting but... he is as a person. Yeah, because he's a, he's a peculiar individual. Mm-hmm. True story. He is peculiar. <laughs> I would say so. But yeah, angst, and then yeah. Well, I mean that just ties right into rage, doesn't it? <laughs> angst leads to rage. <laughs> well, I mean, like Yoda Trump said. leads to rage. <laughs> So yeah, tell me about the rage. I think the rage is largely informed by like the the manic destruction I have, you know, of all the of all the toxic paradigms that have kind of entrapped me for the rest for my days, you know, for the whole of my life, you know, that I had to be a boy or whatever. Man, a manic destruction, as in like. Just you're you're marriage. destroying these yeah. like tropes that you were everybody. brought up in. Yeah, and showing everybody in a very artistic way with the art of my life. Now I imagine that's really vindicating. Sometimes. sometimes, I mean, like sometimes you're going out on a limb and you're just like, "Is any of this real, or am I just crazy?" And people are kind of going along with me. But like, it is it, when it when it really does kind of settle in and, and and seem real, it's very vindicating. Have you ever put yourself out there and then regretted doing it? Well, yeah, that's what people do. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, you like, uh, just allow. Like, I found that like allowing yourself to be vulnerable, even if you even if you wind up being hurt after it, like you still feel like a sense of bravery for yeah. putting yourself. Have you ever out. watched a Brene Brown? Uh, no. TED Talk. Uh, no. It's like the power of vulnerability. It's super tasty. Who is it? Her name is Brene Brown. Brene. And she's a, she's a scientist. She's She used to be, I think she used to be more of an introvert. And she's just kind of like, you know, really forcing herself into these really kind of like 
very vulnerable places and in terms of like the study of vulnerability and the personal you know like counting herself as dad um, it's the point of life apparently so. hmm. vulnerability I could I, yeah I could see that yeah. have you seen um some of the art things about a vulnerability where it puts a naked man and a naked woman in a room and they have to like use the bathroom in front of each other that sounds gross. It is gross, but I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting point. There was one where, like, What's oh, the point? just just about vulnerability between the sexes. Oh, okay. But uh, there was one where a woman just stood naked for like four hours or something, and where? just in her little space oh. in her art. I forget what museum. I think they held it in a museum, but she just stood there for like four hours and let people say whatever they wanted to her or do. Not like do do, but I mean just kind of had that free space to be like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's wild, and I mean like that's really what performance is. It's it's just like here's something that's inside of me. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, sometimes it does not go well. Sometimes it's fine. I don't know. That's part of the thrill, though. I would say. Yeah, that's that's the, what makes that when the stakes are high like that. You're just like. Like I heard a, uh, I heard someone say that I forget who officially said it. It was a quote of a quote, but uh, they were saying essentially that if we ever built a utopian society, mm-hmm. the first thing mankind would do is to destroy it just for something to do. <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, you know, I mean, there's the yugas in Hinduist tradition. What are the yugas? There's four yugas, and they're extremely, extremely long periods of time, eons and eons and eons. And we're, I think, according to at least uh, all of my Hare Krishna friends, we're currently in the Kali Yuga, which is the the destructive one. There's basically four of them are divided into different kind of, like, contingents. So the first one is that utopian place that you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. that everything's fine and everything's just perfect and you can just have whatever and it's beautiful heaven and everything's fine. And then the second one is something's a little bit weird. Some things aren't quite in your control, but it's still fine and everything's cool. And it's just kind of like a hint at it. And then the third one is like the the order and the chaos are at equal parts. And people definitely would assume that that would be like good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. But it's order and chaos. And it's really just kind of a judgment to lay that trip on it, you know, in terms of like good and bad. But and then in the, the Kali Yuga, which is our current one, chaos is just everything. You think that's where we're at right now? That's where the higher Christmas thing we're at, and it's—I think it's—it's it's believable. There's a there's a there's a similar theory that like societies move, and they use like kind of four generations mm. as their uh, as their architecture for it. Um, there's the hero generation, which is like the World War II vets. Okay. The prophet generation, which would be like the beatniks. Okay. The artist generation, which is like the hippies, and then kind of our generation right now, which (laughs) were the one that like kind of society sort of degrades a bit until we need like the next hero generation to sort of reinvigorate. What's our society? We're the uh, we're the fourth one. I forget what it's called, but it's kind of the bad one. Great. Where we create a society that needs like the heroes of the future. Well. Then it, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like Kali Yuga in, in a kind of a way that it's just kind of like sort of a bummer. <laughs> really? <laughs> you think that's that a bummer? 
Yeah, to yep. assume that we're just like the cause. No, that's like original sin to me. No, we're not necessarily the cause. We're well, just we're, in, we're, we're, we're just living in it. We're a vacuum. Not necessarily, but we're we're just living in that time period where oh we. I mean, we some people in our generation are certainly the cause. Other people are fighting it. I think mm-hmm. it's a more social, like larger. I thing. mean, I just don't really buy into the the cause. I mean, some people are definitely contributing to things from our our. Um, Generation, but I think that a largely a lot of the issues that are systematically oppressing, at least me, um, in America, aren't necessarily my peers. They are your peers, they're or aren't? Uh, they're more so the. Well, maybe we old, could be the dudes. maybe we could be the hero generation, and yeah. we just aren't old enough yet. Well, I mean, maybe I am the hero generation now. It's very possible. Maybe. But. uh that means that we're we gotta be le- we're leading up to some sort of apex. I mean, that's a very masculine way to lead. You think? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a very Freytag's triangle way to do things. You don't think things kind of go in a flow I like think that? They do. Yeah, I don't think that it's going like. Rawr. I don't know. Well, I'd say more kind of. Yeah, sine wave. Yeah. I think I think I think we're moving towards some big social change. Mm-hmm. I can't say what it's going to be necessarily, but it seems like a lot of new like um, social structures are coming up. And like I was saying before, I think it's from the internet is these people now are getting a voice mm-hmm. and we're learning about all these new, what used to be niche personality types Definitely. that are finding out that they're not the only ones. Right, yeah. I mean, that's what Tumblr was good for for a little bit anyway. Until they got rid of porn. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Ruin my life. Now I have to go on fucking Pornhub and shit. And you know what the worst part of that is? What? If I want to see a trans person on Pornhub, you porn red to blah 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 blah. I have you know I can I can be as respectful as I want to in my search, but it's gonna pop up shemale tranny fucking you know all that shit, and I'm just like on Tumblr. You know, I could curate my thing so that it wouldn't like. <laughs> you can keep it respectful. Describe my contingent of with slurs for Christ's sake. I think know? that would be an interesting trend to watch, though, and see how long it takes for like porn sites to adopt more friendly terms for their searches. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, like I'm, I'm sure if if you well, look at it, you could see it kind of shift in a bit. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, I mean, there's more things that say T girl, but I mean like. It's just kind of, like, weird. Because everywhere else is kind of, like, beholden to some modicum of political correctness. But, like, porn is, like, so, like, like on the DL for all of America. Like, we just, like, yeah, we watch it, but no, we don't talk about it. Well, I think that's where why they have that platform to use kind of whatever terms exactly, that they want. Exactly, because there's no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. But... I don't know, like, like porn is really interesting, especially since it's become digital, is you can use it to correlate a lot of data with, like, how stuff shifts. What do you mean by that? So, like, what I was saying before with watching the trends of the searches, like, how, uh, because you say, like, more offensive terms will be in the searches for all these different things, but I'm saying that over time, those terms will either increase or decrease 
<clears throat> and you could probably correlate that to a lot of stuff that's going on in society as in like how people personally deal with things and just a broad spectrum sort of <coughs> view on that type of stuff yeah <coughs> oh here I go <coughs> I smoke a lot of weed so <coughs> this is actually part of the interview because <coughs> if I don't cough till I retch at least six or seven times you don't day, sound like you smoke a lot of weed <coughs> yeah this is what smoking an actual lot of weed sounds like so It's so cute when people think I'm a noob. Do you want to try some? Sure. You say it's blueberry? It's blueberry. <coughs> I also I scream all the time, so. You scream? Yeah. So what's your instrument of choice? My face. Your face? Yeah. Has it always been your face? Yeah. Do you know how to play? Or do you, do you employ like a lot of technique? Or do you just kind of go for it? Both. Both? Yeah. So you make sure your diaphragm is all right, your register is good. Let me tell you a little story about when you don't actually support your voice. I was screaming and I blew up a blood vessel in my eyeball. Oh, God. Yeah. Did you have to go to a doctor or did did it clear up? No, it cleared up. I mean, I didn't have health insurance at that point, so even if I did, I was just kind of like, well. I bet it looked pretty rock and roll. Fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It looked fucking great. I I did a whole Instagram photo shoot. Nice. So, it's backlogged on my Instagram. Psychic Dominatrix. Psychic Dominatrix. That's the name of our new single too. The uh, the Doctor Death Crush single we're gonna record. Nice. Very exciting. So, uh, explain Doctor Death Crush. I know you said they're you know, they're kind of art rock. Mm-hmm. If you compare them to any more any other kind of band, like what's your sound specifically? Is it oh, heavy and crunchy? Heavy. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some crunch. I wouldn't say we're like. Crunchy in a granola kind of way. But, um, there's Soundgarden. Sound, ooh, yeah. nice. Or like Black Sabbath or something. We're really pretty heavy. We're borderline metal, but we're not quite all the way metal. That's a good line to ride because it makes it accessible to more people than just the I metal think, community. Right. Because metal's wonderful and I love metal, but a lot, some of the vocals are really stigmatizing. <laughs> you know, they're really divisive. Oh, yeah, no, like, I, I agree. Some people just can't even stand how fast, like, the drums go. Like, that's, it's really overwhelming. Somebody was saying, it was so cool, you're, like, born with two fears and only two fears, and that's one is of being dropped, like, that sudden thing, mm-hmm. and the other is loud noises. Interesting. Yeah, those are, like, your two basic, most basic fears, apparently. That makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, have you heard of, I forget the psychologist that did it. But there was a psychologist that would put like a cute bunny in front of a little kid, Mm -hmm. like a baby. And every time they put the cute bunny in front of them, they would make like a loud like noise Mm. to scare the baby and make him cry. And then the baby would associate the loud noise with the bunny and Mm -hmm. be scared of bunnies for the rest of his life. Yeah, no, even when he grew up, the baby was like, I don't like rabbits. Yeah. It was messed up. Yeah, that's some Skinnerian nightmare. Early psychology had some weird human rights violations. I hate him. Why is that? Because he's just like very much the end game of a purely like cerebrally psychological pursuit of things. You know what I mean? Like 0% compassion or heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of just kind of like really pushing the limits of what operating conditioning or, you know, basic conditioning in general could be. This is like fucking horrible. (laughs) Now, do you think do you think that's still interesting to know what the limits of 
I mean, our capacity yeah, I'm glad is. It happened, sure, but you know, I mean, it was it interesting to know the limits of the Holocaust? It's not uh, that intense, but it's it's, <laughs> it's you know on a on a psychological level, it's really informed. I mean, the war on drugs. You know what I mean? There's no war on drugs if if it wasn't like really brutally negatively stigmatized by completely asinine like Skinnerian, you know methodology employed to just really kind of bolster a fucking but it works what the war on well arguably what? it works <laughs> well no okay, but no, i just go for it i'm willing to hear about the expansion on that that's what well, the war on drugs it's, it's, it's breaking down a bit now but more on drugs i don't mean that we won the war on drugs but i just mean like putting out this image that people believe and like it just internalizes like the yeah, this well, is your what, brain this is your brain on drugs like that propaganda does on a lot of people yeah propaganda works because it's a really really convincing lie but the psychology of it is pretty cool though the psychology of like propaganda addiction. and how oh, yeah, yeah. well like yeah propaganda mostly yeah. though because yeah. it certainly is because i mean most people believe that once you're addicted to opiates you're just hooked forever and you just are you know your life is over and you're just a dead end derelict piece of shit but have, here's a little funny thing have you ever heard of rat park rat park no <laughs> it's, it's it's i mean it's fucking revolutionary in terms of what addiction means especially in a, in a social society like this so like this guy basically took the what substantiated the war on drugs in the nixon era that was basically like admittedly an fbi effort to just kind of like discredit and um you know imprison populations that were already rife with these things like you know minority populations put them in jail and stuff for you know this was a good random reason because people could get scared of it you know drug eh. but like the, the substantiative like scientific backing is all scenarian like rat tests it's all give this rat cocaine and watch it just do cocaine until it's dead right because it's just so addictive mm-hmm. but it was because i mean largely a lot of people believe it's because the rat was literally just bored to death. It was alone in a cage by itself. Rats are inherently social creatures, just like humans are inherently social creatures. Oh, we have a lot in common with rats. Uh-huh. Which is nice. I mean, we found that out. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean... Uh, so this guy made Rat Park. He made this beautiful, like, you know, amusement park with, you know, wheels and all sorts of just bedding and just huge and, you know, 20 rats or whatever. And he had a morphine drip water bottle and a regular water bottle for control. And they, you know, definitely went ham on that morphine because it feels really good. But eventually, just for the ease of their social, you know, lifestyle, they just started leaving it alone. Interesting. Exactly. Because it's not your baseline consciousness. You don't need it. You don't need it the way that, you know, this is your brain on drugs tells you you need it. Mm -hmm. Your brain's not ruined. You know what I mean? Like, that's really super judgmental, horrible propaganda. I feel like internalizing that's really fucking aggressive and and awful. But, like, you know, I mean, people... The thing is, like, heroin is the same fucking thing as, like, you know, Norcos or Vicodin. It's just a little more intense. Morphine, right? Mm-hmm. People go and do morphine for their surgeries, and they wean themselves off of morphine. That's what happens. Oh, like, yeah. It's really in- intensely, horribly difficult to wean yourself out of heroin, and I would never want to do that. But it can be done. But it can be done. You know what I mean? Your brain is not an egg that's being scrambled. It's just 
it's an egg that's on heroin right now and it won't be, you know, later if you're trying to heal that. I think you could arguably fuck your brain up a little bit, but well, and the it's not thing, it's not as if there's no coming back from a drug addiction. <laughs> exactly. I mean, is my brain as functional as it would have hypothetically been had I not shut my prefrontal cortex down by being high every day of my life? Probably not. That's fine. But I'm willing to accept that because it's also making me a functional human being. Like, I haven't murdered anyone. Yeah. And if, and if you, and if <laughs> you dig really it, frankly, that. it's nobody else's business or problem. Except for the person who got murdered, maybe. Except for, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, uh, thanks, Pete. Um, Pete Grace, I guess. I don't know about what. We might have been a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the best part about Rat Park was he even did a control experiment with rats and, like, had them isolated like in the original experiment and had their own little private cages and their own like fucking you know built up this this hardcore morphine addiction in them introduced them into rat park and they also they flourished they well they went with the regular water eventually and it's the same it was the ted talk about it that's really awesome but it's the same reason why you know vodka is readily available there's enough vodka to feed to like you know part to, to to quench the uh, the the whole of America, but we drink water instead because it just our baseline consciousness is so much more functional on water. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. At, at our at our core, we want to function and work, especially yeah. if we're in a social. We want to yeah standing. Yeah. Boredom, I would argue, is the worst drug possible. Oh, it, well, it makes things a lot worse. For sure. I feel like it puts a magnifying glass on a lot of your issues, especially yeah. if you can sit in your boredom for. Days at a time, weeks yeah. at a time. Yeah, definitely. Sucks. <laughs> so, what would you say is the most positive experience you've had through any of your art? Music, art, art, theater. The most positive experience I've had because of my art. Um, honestly, somebody came up to me after a show and looked at me in the eyeballs, like super deep and like had me by the shoulder and was like, you make me brave. And I was like, okay, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> like, that's what's going on. Like, that's like, that's probably it. Oh, that sounds like, that I can think that of. sounds like right a pretty positive down. moment. Yeah, I mean, like, there's really, like, you know, selfish, like, personal moments. Like, screaming really hard does release a lot of endorphins and norepinephrine and serotonin and dopamine in my bloodstream. So screaming really hard feels really good, and that's very positive. But in terms of, like, a really, like, like transcendental ramifications, kind of a good, like, a big resonating good, that was probably really, <laughs> that was really cute. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to plug or talk about? Well, we really need to plug my show by Polar Bitch, which is running as a part of the Rhino Theater Fest. It's the longest running fringe festival in Chicago, and it's every Saturday, 10.30 p.m. in February. We open January 19th, and we run six Saturdays, and it's going to be tasty as hell. I'll be performing a cabaret afterwards um, for everyone's perusal and enjoyment, and it's going to be, like, really fun. Sounds like play it. what you can, but please do get tickets because it will sell out. Can you get them online? You can get them online. There's a link in my face, in my on my Facebook, and as well as my um, Instagram. All right, and then do you want to plug those again? I know your one Instagram is my Psychic Dominatrix. Yeah, if you want to follow Psychic Dominatrix, that's all of my pictures. 
um, and sometimes I share memes and stuff. Um, if you want to watch me, uh, I don't like Snapchat very much. So if you want to kind of watch videos of me, the Violet TV, um, is the Instagram for that. That's where I post all the videos and I go, in, I go Instagram live from there a lot. Um, or you can just follow me Violet on Facebook, uh, or friend me. I'll, I'll friend you. Um, Violet, because we live in a Judeo-Christian nightmare, I had to separate into two words. Really? Bio and let. Yeah. Cause you can't just have one name, like share on the internet. Oh, I, th- I thought you were just being kind of artsy with it. I didn't know no, there was, it was just, a forced that was, that was thing. The, that was, yeah. Oh, well, it works. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and hanging out. And... Oh, two seconds. Oh. First Fridays, every first Friday at the Gallery Cabaret, Dr. Death Crush for the rest of your life. Bye. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ian. It's been a pleasure. I'll see you later. It's been good getting to know you. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Lips in every kiss Makes the wind outside get colder Can you feel it blowing colder? I smiled it right into your hip And you bit me in the shoulder You tore me right out of my shoulder